One of the hardest conversations that we have as Christians is when we have to deal where there's been some kind of offense. You know, uh, most of us, especially for me growing up, I was conflict averse. And but I've learned to uh, to step into very difficult conversations because it's what we need to do to protect and to continue to grow in relationships. So today, we're going to talk about the whole idea of confronting one another. Hi, this is Eric Hurd, and my podcast is called Relationships by the Book. So why that title? Well, I lived 18 years of my life apart from God, apart from His Word, and my family was one of the most dysfunctional families to grow up in, and we didn't understand relationships. And when I came to know Christ, it absolutely transformed me from the inside out. And I began to understand God's wisdom because I dug into His Word and I saw how much He had to say about relationships. I've been a pastor now for over 45 years, and so this podcast is really an accumulation of the wisdom God's given me in relationships that I want to share with you. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. How are you, Eric? Man, I am what I'd call jacked. I'm, I, my energy is high, my friend. Okay, well, it's early in the morning, and so you have said before you're a morning person. You're proving that true. Uh, that is true, and uh, you know I've got so many good things happening in my life, and heading up to uh, what we call man camp. Mm. Do you know why we call it man camp, Michael? Uh, it's men going camping. No, no, it's <laughs> we used to call it uh, uh, you know a men's retreat. But you see, Michael, men don't retreat. We step into things. Oh, yes. We, we go with no fear or courage. In fact, it so fits what we're talking about today. It's having the courage to actually speak the truth with each other. So where are you going? We're going up to Forest Home. I've been going up there for 48 straight years. 48 years. Has it changed in 48 years? Oh, my goodness. The whole staffing has changed. Um, I mean, the camp itself, no. Yeah, that's, it, that's what I was getting at. It still kind of holds true to what it's always been, right? It's rustic. They still have Victory Circle, Hormel Hall. I mean, all the buildings are the same names. And, you know, the lake is still the man-made lake. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's just a beautiful place. But, you know, it's so interesting because, you know, as I as my excitement grows, it's because I've had so many amazing uh, memories there, if you mm. will. Yeah, and those memories usually are a result of good relationships, yes? Oh, absolutely. And the challenge because some of the greatest speakers in the world have spoken at Forest Home. It's got a rich history. Wow. In fact, it's where uh, Billy Graham really made his commitment to become the evangelist. Wow. Most people don't know that. Yeah, Henrietta Mears, who, you know, was a woman of incredible faith back in her day. Women typically weren't kind of the heads of ministries, but she was the college pastor at Hollywood Presbyterian Church. She had this vision for camping, and it took her time, but she continued to pray along with others. And all of a sudden, because of a disaster in the canyon, um, and by the way, it's, it's the only east-west fa facing canyon in the state of California. Did you know that? Wow. Yeah, there's a lot of things you don't know, Michael. But anyway, so this is a place where some of the greatest speakers have been. And uh, and so I remember messages. I remember people I've met, decisions I made. Yeah. And now you're going up there to speak truth. 
speak up, right? That's it. And that's what we're talking about today. Yeah, I get to speak at Victory Circle uh, every year for our, our, our men. Oh, and that's a powerful – I've, I've uh, sat there and heard you speak at Victory Circle. It's uh, a powerful night. Man, I tell you, it, it to see the Holy Spirit just come over guys and where they're just like ready to stand up and say, I believe. And But I'm also going to add a little – Twist and that is I surrender. Too many guys are kind of half in, half out when it comes to Christ. He's called us to be all in. So we don't retreat, but we do surrender. Oh Ooh. yes, yeah. It's a, it's a wonderful tension, but we surrender to His agenda, which again trans, transitions us right in to what we're going to talk about today: confrontation. Mm, okay, here we go. Okay, it's a tough one. Let me uh, just jump in here, if you don't mm-hmm. mind, because. Sometimes I can be overly confident in my personality, I think. And I have made the mistake of speaking up when maybe I shouldn't have. Mm. And um, there's numerous that it's usually people I'm really uh, maybe close with. Um, Let me just put this out there. I talk to my sister almost every single day. Yes. And my sister and I have, we have a lot in common, but we also have dramatic differences mm. and um my i love my i've loved my sister my entire life right yep. she was my big sister from the day i was born and i don't think anyone has made me angrier than my <laughs> sister has i'll just be totally honest she knows that probably but she's also loved me as deep as anyone has yep. and um so but she's someone that i've probably a few times you know told her what she should be doing and and uh, spoke up, and maybe I was right, but discernment is can be really difficult in this area. Okay. So what is discernment? It's a supernatural capacity that we have to see things we wouldn't normally see. And, and so, again, a wonderful lead into what we're going to talk about today. But you got to start with a foundation, Michael, because, you know, you mentioned maybe sometimes I'm a little bit too brash, too, too uh, confrontational. Well, you know, here's the deal. If you understand what God is up to and what your part is in it, you can step into confrontation. Let me, let, yeah, let me How explain. do we understand that? Well, well Romans 8, 29. Okay. Uh, the Apostle Paul says, those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. So foreknowledge is God knew us before we were ever born. And, uh, and so when he says, those whom he foreknew, he knew us before we were born. He also predestined, which is uh, another word is, this is his will that we become conformed to the image of Christ. Now, I know you really well. You know me really well. There are rough edges with all of us. Now, you happen to pick your sister. Beautiful illustration. Because when you look at uh, the importance of confrontation, it doesn't come any closer than family. Mm -hmm. Because for you to be a unified family, you're going to have to have tough conversations. I've watched you with, you know, your kids, Sage and Bobby. You have to, you know, I'll watch you guys, and you guys do this beautifully. You will kind of kneel down or squat down, look them in the eyes and say, now, Bobby, da-da-da-da. Yeah, whatever it is. Okay, now, why are you doing that? Because you want Bobby and Sage to grow up, to respect other people and their boundaries, to, to be resourceful themselves, not always depend on you. You know, that, and so you want them to be really healthy citizens of this earth, more importantly, followers of Christ. So you'll correct actions. Mm. 
Now, the more integrated you are, which think about marriage, think about family, the more you're going to see the rough edges. See, by and large, you know, you, you know, at church, we might bump into each other. But it's the longer we're in relationship that we see the rough sides of other people. So it's important to understand God didn't call me to just look for every opportunity to confront. He said, when I make you aware of an unhealthy trait or virtue in another or actions, I want you to step into it. Now, you, you brought up a, uh, an issue, and, and that is maybe sometimes you just kind of go after it. Mm -hmm. Impulsively. The, yes. And this goes back to something we've talked about before, and that is, you know, unsolicited counsel is folly. Mm. When you're confronting somebody, you know, the reason most people, in fact, I, I think this might be a good segue, there's a reason most Christians don't confront others. Okay. Why could I could I go into that? Yeah, of course. Oh, beautiful! Thank you for that permission. <laughs> so I'm curious. I yeah, would love so, to know why. So one of the number one things is fear. Fear that I'm going to get a horrible response. And by the way, it is one of the hardest things we do. And uh, in fact, when it comes to church confrontation, like as a leader, if I'm having to confront the actions of another, especially with another witness. Um, you know, there's a verse that is, again, oftentimes misquoted. It says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst. Now, why would Jesus say in a, in a unique way he would be in the midst? It's because those two, th two or three people are gathering together to hash out a conflict, a rift within a relationship. Uh, you know, it could be two businessmen, and I've done this before, where one feels the other stole from them or, you know, or lied or whatever it may be. Now, does this work with a husband and wife? Uh, oh, absolutely. Okay. And and so, you know, but, but you want Jesus right in the midst because it can go horribly wrong, and Michael, it has. And so most people, the idea of confronting, there's this latent fear that it's going to go horribly wrong. But... I can't avoid a tough conversation. In fact, one of the most freeing things when I do confrontation is that I am not responsible for people's reaction. There's an old adage, an axiom in life, do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. You don't not do it because you're fearful that it's going to go bad. Mm. You know, sometimes your kids don't react to you well when you confront them. Sometimes a friend won't react well. You're not responsible for the reaction. You're responsible to speak the truth. And one of my favorite verses in relationship is Ephesians 4.25. It says, lay aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor. So the reasons people don't confront is, they, is number one, they're fearful of the response. Number two, they're afraid of being judgmental. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I get that. But here's the thing is, you have control of not being judgmental. So if, if, if there were something, and Michael, I cannot think of there ever being a time in, in our over 10-decade relationship that I've ever gone, you know, I really need to confront Michael. Mm -hmm. Never. Now, if there was, I mean, I would go to you because, I mean, I'm close to you and I love you. <clears throat> and respect. But here's the thing. I would say to you, hey, Michael, could I share something that I, I've been observing that, uh, that kind of, uh, it just, I just feel like you don't see it. You're kind of blind to it. Mm -hmm. Well, wouldn't you say that that's 
the reason we've been able to go these 13, 14 years almost mm-hmm. of being, you know, f- essentially family. <laughs> I feel like from day one dating Crystal, you guys just adopted me. But um, you and I are always in conversation. Right. You know, a, a few days don't go by that you and I don't talk to each other. And um, everything's out in the open all the time. Yes. So we're, because of that, we, we both know that we could confront each other, but we just haven't had to because things are dealt with right in that moment. That, that's it. So, so, you know, people don't confront because they have a fear of how people are going to respond. They're afraid of being judgmental. You know, uh, thirdly, and I think this is a big one, is that they've never seen it done well. Ooh, Nobody's yeah. ever sat down with them and said, hey, I want to share with you a way of confronting that, um, that won't put you in a defensive posture will exude love toward the other person. But here's the important part. If Jesus' goal or God's goal is for us to become more like Jesus, confrontation has to happen. Mm -hmm. Why? Because I'm a broken human being. Like I I was just complimenting uh, Debbie the other day, my wife. And uh, you you know that, but some people on the podcast may not know know that. (laughs) One of the things I love about that woman is that she never holds back truth. If she sees something in me, an attitude, an action, she's on it. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes it may feel abrasive, but I will say that I am who I am because I have a wife that doesn't hold back. Mm-hmm. And, and, and she calls me uh, to you know a standard. That is high. Well, she sees the she sees your highest capacity. Right? Yes, yes. And so she wants you to, to do your best. Yeah, when I'm less than who I should be, and the God, the man that God wants me to be, she's on it. And uh, and so, you know, people again fear the response. They're fearful they're going to become judgmental. Thirdly, they've never son, seen it done well. Mm. But man, when you when you understand the goal. Oh my gosh, confrontation is something you want to step into. I actually believe that one of the big reasons that people don't confront is the enemy keeps them from it. Mm. Because see, if a person, if you confront a person and they become more like Christ, oh my goodness, that works against the enemy. Yeah. So he tries to trip them up. He tries to go it horribly south. That's, again, why Jesus is right in the middle of those conversations, because he wants the truth. Truth sets people free. Yes, it I does. mean, I've been confronted. And, and, and by the way, early on in my life, I think I could think on one hand the amount of times. But I've been, I've been fortunate that I have a lot of close friends who, who have wonderfully stepped into and pointed out things in me, whether it would be timidity, whether it would be, I remember the guy that confronted me that I was covetous, that I liked. He, he was very wealthy, had a lot of nice things, and he confronted me. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and then um, I had somebody confront me, and this was a unique one. He said, Eric, um, you're too happy. And I go, help me to understand that and he goes he goes you know what you're always up i never hear you share that you're having a difficult day or you're going through a difficult circumstance and he goes i think most people don't trust you because of that now that was decades ago yeah we we talked about this last week that's right and so like now when people ask me how i'm doing i'll i'll try to you know if i'm not doing well i'll say do you have a minute 
Mm. And I'll share with you, I'm not doing well. Mm. I did that the other day, and and I mean, the reward of that was unbelievable because the man moved at me, he prayed for me, and then he, he was at church, and he goes up to his car and he comes back, and he gives me a gift certificate to, to a restaurant. And he says, why don't you go out to dinner with your wife? And I'm just going, who does that? Mm. The guy that confronted me, or the guy that I was honest a with. A truth teller. A truth teller. And, and so, you know, again, I think most people don't see honest relationship. And But boy, when you see it and you understand the goal, the goal is to help a person toward the character of Christ. Mm. So like in Galatians 6, uh, do you mind if I read this passage? I would love to hear it. Okay. Yeah, uh, the Apostle Paul says, brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, in other words, they're broken, there's a habit, whatever it may be, it says, you who are spiritual, which just simply means you're in a good relationship with God, you should restore a person, and here's, here's, here's where the thing is, where you don't become judgmental. He says, in a spirit of gentleness and humility. Oh, my goodness. And I'm going to come back to that. That's key. But, but he goes on to... And that's hard, but it's key. Yes, it is. He says, but watch yourself, lest you also be tempted. In other words, that you think you're better than somebody else. And so let's talk about gentleness and humility. I don't have to worry about being judgmental if I move at somebody with gentleness. Now, how do I get to a spirit of gentleness? Because number one... I want to point out something that is really contrary to who God wants them to be. And so I don't have to yell at them. I don't have to judge them. I don't have to manipulate them. And that's why I would walk into the conversation and say, hey, I wondered if I could talk to you about something I see in you that I think you might be blind to. Hmm. Now, let me ask you how, because I noticed something watching this show, The Chosen. Mm. Have you watched The Chosen yet? Yes, I have. Okay. In the first season, throughout the whole show, something that I really think they did well with the character of Jesus is in his conversations, there is, they made it very clear to me, at least from as a viewer, that there was no anxiety in Jesus. Yeah. Uh, you know, he has this. Re- I recently we were, we're watching the f- first season again, which we I think we've watched it twice already. This is our third time through it, and um, Jesus has to go have a difficult conversation with a Roman leader. Yeah, and at the end of the conversation, the leader basically says he looks at Jesus, points his finger, and he goes, "I like you. Yeah. I really like you. We may have some problems." But I like you. And the, in that conversation, Jesus is so calm, so collected, and I'm just like, that's what no anxiety looks like. Yeah. So how does anxiety fit into this? Again, um, boy, that's a very – it's a million-dollar question. Right. Okay. It's like uh, – I'll give you an idea. One of the greatest fears that Americans have is um, is speaking up front in front of an audience. Okay, so what's the it, difference between fear and anxiety? Uh, fear is um, fear is much more crippling. Anxiety is the emotional response. So I start to feel anxious, then fear sets in. Yeah. So fear is a result of anxiety, right? Exactly. Yeah. So if we can avoid anxiety, we can uh, kind of avoid fear. But the, it seems to me like the solution, because you just talked about being what did the Galatians say? Be humble and gentle and, and humble. Gentle. Okay. Jesus is perfectly humble, right? He's the Son of God, and he gives this Roman leader respect, like he's. Hot, like this leader's higher than Jesus. No, yeah. he's not. He, 
this is the son of God. Yeah. And he's gentle. Like, oh, you perfect look at, example. Look at the woman caught in adultery. She's dragged in front of him naked. She's guilty. And, and Jesus does that little thing with the Pharisees and says, you know, you who are without sin, cast the first stone, and they all walk away. Yeah. And here's the woman feeling shame and guilt before the Son of God. And he looks at her and says, woman, where are your accusers? Neither do I condemn you. Go your way and sin no more. He doesn't ignore the sin. But his gentleness in yeah. that moment where she's feeling utterly humiliated, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I got chills right now because yeah. I want to be like that where people feel safe with me. And again, it comes down to it's not about me. Let me let me go back to the greatest fear, public speaking. Why? People start to feel anxious because they, they're, they're thinking of what could horribly go wrong. And then all of a sudden, the fear sets in, and it paralyzes them. Like I'm doing a memorial this morning, and one of the things that you know that I run into is family members or friends that when they're asked, "Would you speak on behalf of?" and they'll go, "Oh, oh, no, 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 I, I, I can't do that." <laughs> and and what I will do is I'll, I'll, I'll say with them, you know, this relative or the husband really would love to have your perspective of his wife, and. Here's what I'd ask you. Get out of yourself. Step away from you and make it about her. That you're phew, yeah. you're going to speak yeah. about her. And I said, the fear goes away because you're in your own head. See, in confrontation isn't about me. It's 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 me caring so much. I can't hold back because I care too much for you. So if, if love sets in, truth will naturally and come. that's the humility side of it. That's it. Well, gentleness and humility. Now, by the way, one thing that will help you with humility is, is you go back to, uh, to Matthew chapter 7. Um, it's the second most uh, recognized verse in the Bible. Okay. Yeah, what is you it? probably didn't know that. John 3, 16, yep. and then Roma, or excuse me, Matthew, Matthew 7, 7, 1. Do not judge lest you be judged. For in that you judge, you'll be judged by the same measure. First take the pick and log out of your eye yeah. before you take the speck. So so how is that work in confrontation? Like, you know, you know I do, do marriage work. And, you know, I have to confront things. I have to confront, you know, immorality or adultery or abuse. And, uh, and when I walk into a setting like that, I get my heart prepared by going, God, I'm no better than the person I got to talk to. Mm. Help me to have a spirit of humility that that person would know there's not a judgmental bone in my body, but I got to address what I see. Like, I, I have men who will come in, and it's more often men than women because they get angry, and and the way they talk to their wives is abusive. It's condescending, argumentative, harsh. You know, anger takes over. And, uh, and I'll talk and say, can I share with you something I'm seeing even now in my office? And they'll go, yeah, you, you are abusive. I said, but I want you to know I can't judge you. I was the same way, and I could still do that. So, so I want to address that. And guys are usually very appreciative because nobody's ever called them on it. Hmm. So how do I well, have this? St- you're, you're going me too, kind of, right? Absolutely. Because again, when, when, when Jesus says, um, uh, 
you know, do not judge lest you be judged. For in that you judge, you'll be judged by the same measure. Let me, let me just share what that is. Spectrum. See, I've never had an affair on Debbie, but have I ever thought about another woman? Yes, to my sadness, you know, because I'm flesh, I'm human. Mm -hmm. and, and now, I might get somebody who's actually had an affair with a woman. Am I any better than them? Jesus says you're not. No, because Jesus said, you know, you've heard it was said you should not commit adultery. But I say if you've even looked upon another woman, you've committed the very act. So when I'm confronting, i got to remember my own brokenness, even in the area that the, the person is confronting me in, or I'm confronting them. Yeah. You're well, essentially kneeling down like I do with it. my children. That's it. But I care so much about the individual. I'm going to lay aside the falsehood, as Ephesians 4.25 says. I'm going to speak the truth, and here's the great possibility. Okay, I want to I use the cost-benefit analysis because you're a business guy. Okay, every guy that's in business thinks, okay, what's the cost of this? What's the benefit of this? If the benefit far outweighs the cost, I'm moving at it. Okay, so what's the cost of confronting? I might be misunderstood. It could harm the relationship. I could be misunderstood. Oh, but the benefit, oh my gosh. The people that have confronted me and have changed me, I'm forever in their debt. Mm. They were loving enough to get past their anxiety and their fear and to actually speak the truth, and it changed me. That guy that confronted me on covetousness, led me to a path where I'm more generous, I'm out of debt, I'm content, I like what I have, and I don't need anything else, right. which is the wonderful definition of contentment. I could never be the man I am apart from confrontation. And this is, again, Michael, why one of my, my things I firmly believe, the isolated male is the most dangerous man on the planet, mm -hmm. or the isolated individual. Why? Because if you're not in community, you only operate out of your own understanding, and you're blind as a bat. Now, can we be isolated and still be around people? Mm. Oh, very good. Okay. Gosh, you ask good questions. Unfortunately, there are people, and I'll tell you who they are. Either they're people that are um, uh, they're like uh, the Tin Man in The Wizard of Oz, there's no emotion. They don't let anybody in. They're they're in a crowd. Yeah, they're right there they're with cranky. a group of people, but they're not actually in. It. Oh, they don't open up. Yeah. They 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 don't let anybody in. Everything's good, you know. And and then I think the the leader that is most vulnerable is is the um, kind of the celebrity leader, mm. who who you know is held in high esteem, and nobody will tell him the truth. Hidden in plain sight. That's it. In other words, no, but oh, I can't say that to him. Yeah, and 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 you'd be surprised. Those leaders would love to, to know, hear it. Yeah, to hear it because nobody feels safe around them to do it. They mm -hmm. feel like I'll lose my job. I'll be misunderstood. They'll kick me out of the church. Whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. So so that's all, uh, again another reason people don't confront certain people. Mm -hmm. Well, I can't I can't confront him. Really, really. I mean, you got a wrong concept. Who's who's so great? Nobody. That, yeah, that they can't, you know, uh, need or that they don't need confrontation. Okay, there's one other area because we're getting close to our typical time frame. Yeah. Um, the concept of time. Okay. Because again, in that chosen show, I think they did a really good job having this actor who played Jesus. 
deliver his character with without the bounds of time. Yes. And like like I, t- I asked about anxiety. I think anxiety is really closely tied to our bound. We're bound by time here in mm. this. But Jesus clearly in, in his character is not bound by time. Yeah. He's eternal, right? Yeah. And we are, as Christians, believe that we're going through eternity. So this is not our one shot at anything, right? Yeah. Well, it's an interesting thing, you know, uh, because... I've always wondered, you know, what my job in heaven's going to be because, you know, I've always joked that, you know, as long as people sin, I've got a job yeah. as a pastor. And, you know, but like, oh, you you're going to be on, you're out of, out of work. Well, yeah, here's the problem. You know, I do hospital vi- visitations. There's no sickness in heaven. You know, I, I comfort the grieving. There's no tears. You know, I, I do memorials. Nobody's dying. Will there be any confrontation? Uh, no, because here's the thing. Like in 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 Second Corinthians five one, it says, you know, when this earthly tent is taken down, that is when we die. We are given a heavenly body, not made by human hands, but by God Himself. Why does that become important? Because the sin nature comes through the seed of the man. The body that we're given has no sin nature because God gives us that body. Mm-hmm. So no, there's no, there won't be confrontation. Yeah, there won't be greed. There won't be you know. Uh, Slander, there, there, there won't be jealousy. It's just going to be unbelievable, you know. But this is my opportunity to step in and prepare people for heaven, mm-hmm. to be who God meant them to be, and they to me, because it's reciprocal. That's the whole series we're on, you know. I, I want to be kind to you even as I want you to be kind to me. Yeah. I, I'm willing to confront you even as I hope you would be willing to confront me. Yeah. So reciprocal living is the way God God shapes us because we're in community. And that's how we grow. Mm, that's huge. Yeah. So it's something that, uh, again, I, I love your perspective on things. So I want to like really un wrap what I'm getting at, but you know me, I'm a risk taker, you know, whether it's on my mountain bike, surfing or at work, I'm a commission only salesperson, you know, and I invest myself into these deals that get, you know, a lot of complexity and I don't know if they're going to come together and I don't get paid unless they do. I'm a risk taker. And I think one of the things, and I get a lot of joy in those journeys. Again, it could be as simple as a half hour mountain bike ride down a steep hill or a six-month-long, you know, real estate transaction. But um, the, 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 I'm able to let go of anxieties when I'm dealing with difficult situations. Yeah. I think because God's opened my eyes to, I, I'm, you know, this is, I'm not bound by time. You know, it does, if, I, if I totally mess up and drop the ball, it's okay. Yeah, it's called a reboot. Every day, you ever wonder why we God made us with capacity to sleep? That's a great question. We get a, re- we get a really. reboot every day. Yeah. I start over. I screwed up yesterday. I have a chance. It's like golf. When you, when you hit a bad shot, what's the only shot you can take the next one? So you take the next shot. Give it your best shot. And, and you know, you know I have a, a detox center. It's called Liftoff. One of the things I have found in our clients, which was true of me, is this area of confrontation is absolutely usually absent. Usually there have been people that have hurt them that, that they've never been able to speak the truth to, never been able to reconcile the relationship. And so they live with a sadness and a, and a brokenness and a hurt, mm-hmm. just like I did growing up. And, and when you live with resentment and bitterness, 
you medicate it. Mm, yeah. And you can do it with sexual immorality, but oftentimes it's alcohol and drugs. And so detox is, is what we're about, getting people off of it and then giving them the life skills that would help them never to have to go back to it. Because people that don't confront, people that don't speak the truth, people that don't reconcile are people that medicate. Because mm-hmm. wow. God never, never created us with the uh, ability to harbor resentment and bitterness that builds because somebody keeps offending us. It's interesting because it actually, that takes me to the total opposite of what I was just saying because we talked about this last week, right? Mm -hmm. I lost both my parents when I was young, so I really learned that life is short. Yes. And um, in that, a result of that is I love to just deal with stuff, right? I might not see you ever again after today, so I want to deal with whatever's going on and um, so someone in that situation that maybe has, you know, some confrontation in their life and they medicate it, you know, maybe they don't see the fr- that how fragile life is and that's this it. is your one shot. So there's kind of two sides to that whole time thing that I was getting at. And that's a tension that we manage, I guess. Oh, and, and, and final illustration, I'm, um, I'm dealing with a man who um, had cancer and he was just in a huge... Um, I mean, the most painful kind of cancer, bone cancer, and he's he's on hospice. He's at home, and um, and I share I shared with him, you know, or asked him, "Do you have any regrets?" He said that I'm estranged from uh, my son. And I said, "What's your son's number?" Yeah, I'm starting to get emotional here because I called his son, and I said, "You know, you haven't come and seen your dad." And I explained who I was. I said, I know you're angry at him. I know you've been disappointed at him. I know you feel resentment. But could you find just a small amount of love to come and see your dad? And and he said, I'll think about it. And he did. He went and came, came and saw his dad. Well, I happened to come actually the next day. And his dad is just in tears. And he goes, he goes, I can finally go. I go, what do you mean? He goes, my son came yesterday. And we had the greatest conversation. And I pled with him to forgive me for being less than what he needed me to be. And my son not only forgave me, but he asked me to forgive him for his resentment and his bitterness. And he's just weeping on his bed. And I just got to hold him and pray for him. And I thought, God, his his last thing on earth was to reconcile, mm-hmm. was to put the anger and the bitterness and the resentment on the table. And it was such a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. And I got to do his memorial and, and to look in, at his son in the front row. And it was just beautiful. And so confrontation, oh my gosh, it's so critical. Mm-hmm. And we don't do it because of us. We don't get out of our own head. We do it because we love people too much. Mm. And I want them to love me so much that I'm open to whatever criticism they want to give me. Very cool. Oh, by the way, some criticism isn't right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, but listen to it and just go, man, that took a lot for you to say. Mm. Like I had a lady who I did marital counseling with, and she said, you're the most arrogant pastor I've ever met. I said, wow, that must have taken a lot for you to say that. I said, I happen not to believe it. And she goes, why? 
I go, because I live with Debbie Hurd. She's never going to let me get arrogant. <laughs> she had no idea what that meant. But uh, so sometimes, you know, when people confront you, they may be totally wrong. But man, thank them for even taking the time to do it. Mm. Well, I, I love that in this conversation, we went from two extremes on the same subject. So you and I, for almost 14 years, we've been in relationship, yeah. and we've never had to have a real serious, you know, hey, you let me down conversation, because we're always in conversation about what's going on. We're, we're upfront and honest yeah. nearly 100% of the time. That's one extreme. The opposite is this father and son went years. Years. And it's never too late. That's so right. it's there's like not that it's you know it's always the right time to confront each other, but it kind of is, right? You and I, we just don't hold back. We're we're always because we know we love each other. We can just speak openly and honestly all the time. Right. And then the other extreme is it's never too late. That's it. I think that's so cool that there's such a, a spectrum again. Yeah. Of of this topic and it's an important part of life and the key. I love this. That was the being gentle and humble in it. Yeah. That's it. Very cool. Well, Michael, I'm glad we got to talk about this. Yeah, great conversation. As always, we are available to answer questions, uh, respond to any comments, concerns. Our email address is relationshipbythebook at outlook.com. And we look forward to next week. What are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about, the, I love this, bearing with one another. Oh, yes. This is, it's in that beautiful definition of love in 1 Corinthians 13. But I think a lot of people don't understand what does it really look like in everyday life. So we're going to talk about bearing with one another. Perfect. I'll be prepared because you've lived you know, around me for 14 years. Yeah, I've had to bear with yeah. so much. <laughs> um, I'm going to prepare well, myself. Well, and I will confront you. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Michael. Thank you.